Shomrei Torah and Fairlawn. They welcome the Wandering Q from noon till nine this coming Sunday. The Wandering Q from noon until nine at Shomrei Torah on Morlot Avenue in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Enjoy. This time each and every Friday morning, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Vayera. Pasha's Vayera is such a rich parasha. It begins with the extraordinary... And that's the only word you can use, extraordinary, chesed of Avramavinu, whereby the Navi Micha, in chapter 7, Pasuk 20, speaks and gives the identifying mark of M.S. Yaakov, that Yaakov was a man of truth, not to say that Avram and Yisok were not, but that was a hallmark of his character, and chesed Avram, literally kindness to Abraham. Where do we see that? That on a very hot day, that God intentionally made it very hot, so that people would not be out, so that Avram could recuperate from his circumcision. Avram is more pained that he cannot extend hospitality, that Hashem has to send literally three angels disguised as men, that they could be the subjects of Avram's hospitality. And note, what is Avram doing? Avram is, quote, entertaining the Shechina. God comes to visit him. And the rabbis tell us this is one of the sources of the mitzvah of Bikrocholim, to visit the sick. So God himself comes to be with Avram. Avram sees these three, quote, nomads, and he says to Avram, to God, says Avram to God, excuse me, Please, make yourself comfortable. Wait until I take care of them. And them, to lure them in, he says, it's such a hot day. Come on, I'll give you a little bit of some brownies and some lemonade. And before you know it, he whips up a feast, which is literally fit for the most special guests. And not only that, he involves his entire household in this incredible mitzvah of Hachnasas Orchim, literally the welcoming the guests, to which the Talmud says, looking at the action of Avraham, Gedola Hachnasas Orchim, literally, greater is the treating and tending to guests than even Kabbalah's Pnei than even affording and hosting God's presence itself. A very powerful concept. And as we move on in the parsha, we see Avram's kindness uh, extended even to Sodom, that it's only because there could not be nine plus God in 
any of the cities. That's why the negotiations go from 50 to 45 to 40, 30, 20, 10, that Avram has no choice but to accede to God's decision of destruction of these communities. You have in Parshas Vayera, the Torah reading that we are familiar for the first and second day of Rosh Hashanah. And I'd like to talk about the end of the parsha, that which is familiar to all of us, the Akedah. And what do we find? At the beginning of chapter 22, where the Torah tells us that God literally tested Avraham, so he says to him in the second verse, Kachno es bincha es yechidcha, please, Take your son, your only son, and as we know, the way Avram understood it, bring him up as an offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall show you. Now, interestingly, the word no, while it's translated by Unculus, the Aramaic translation, as Ka'an, meaning now, take now your son, as opposed to in a month from now, in six weeks from now, Rashi understands the term not as please. And the way the Sifsei Chachamim explains the Rashi is that over here it means please, and very often Rashi does agree with the Ungolis. So what is the text saying here now with Kach no? And I read the Rashi to you. The term no is to be understood in this context as please. Amalo, God said to Avraham, Bivakoshamimcha, I'm making a request of you. A moldly bozeanisayon. Please pass this test. Shloyomru, so that others shouldn't say, Horishonos, the first tests, and we know that everybody agrees to that number. 10 in the 5th chapter of Avos, which teaches that Avram was tested with 10 tests, everybody agrees to the number 10. What exactly the 10 tests were, that is a difference between the Rambam Maimonides, the Ramban Nachmanides, and Rashi. And so Rashi goes on to say that please, God says to Avraham, pass this test so that people shouldn't say that the first nine, the first nine were not really substantial. And so, Avram, please pass this one because this one is mamush, this one is substantial. Now, you don't have to take a note and write down all the other nine according to Rashi. They're different, like I said, to the Rambam and Ramban. But, <clears throat> according to Rashi, the first test was that Nimrod, who wanted to kill Avraham, so Avraham had to hide underground for 13 years. That sounds like a test. The second one is that he throws him into the furnace. That sounds like a significant test. The third one is Lech Lecha, that he has to leave not only the familiar surroundings, he leaves his father 
culture, everything. Fourth one is he finally gets to Canaan, you remember last week, and there's a famine in the land. And he doesn't complain, according to Rashi. The fifth one is that Sarah is taken by both Paro and Avimelech. And the sixth is he goes to war against four kings who defeat the five kings. And not only that, he is at the bris ben absorim, at the covenant that God makes between the pieces, which according to the das zakenim, mibali tosvos, he's 70 years old. God gives him the vision for the future that his descendants are going to be subjugated, not just in Egypt, for, quote, Arba Meoshana for the 400 years, but for four kingdoms. And after that, Avram has to circumcise himself, which sounds like a significant test. And he's told by God, who agrees with Sarah in this week's parsha, to send away his son Yishmael and Yishmael's mother Hagar. So how could anybody say that if Avram would not have passed his tenth test, the first nine would have been considered like a something which were insubstantial. And therefore suggests Rav Shimon Schwab, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, in the Sefer, which has his Divrei Torah of Mayan base Hashoeva, something very perceptive. And that is as follows. The first nine tests occurred to Avraham and Avraham alone. It showed that Avraham was an incredible man who had such devotion to God and complete and total Mesiras Nefesh, that he was ready, willing, and able to give his life, his essence for God. However, all of these tests were on him and him alone. Now and only now, with the tenth test, is Avram not the only one being tested. But rather, the test is not only is Avram going to do this, but is Yitzchak going to cooperate? Is Yitzchak going to fight his father and say, Abba, I think you're carrying this religious bit just a little bit too far? Remember that Yitzchak at the time is not a little boy. He is, according to our rabbis, 37 years old, who certainly could have put up a significant fight against his father, who was 137. And what do we find? We find just the opposite. We find that it's called the Akedah. Did you ever stop and ask yourself why this very familiar incident, narrative in the Torah is called the Akedah. The Akedah literally means the binding. Why are we focusing on that? And I'd like to suggest one of the reasons is because Yitzchak says to his father, Abba, says the Medrash, says Yitzchak to his father, bind me more tightly, tie me down, lest I flinch and in the process, I disqualify the carbon. Now, just as it is so 
almost impossible for you and I to visualize Avram's picking up the machiles, the knife, lishchot es bino, literally to slaughter his son, which, think about it, what he's doing is, aside from the natural emotional connection of a father and a son, but this is literally Avram sacrificing his past. He went around teaching people God doesn't want human sacrifice. Not only would he be a laughing stock and a hypocrite, but whatever he taught until now would unfortunately become null and void. And secondly, he is sacrificing his future because God promised him when he sent away Yishmael, Ki bi Yitzchak yikari lechazora. Through Yitzchak will there be continuity. And now he's being asked to slaughter Yitzchak. He's giving up his past. He's giving up his future. So not only can we appreciate the incredible challenge that this was to Avram, but that Yitzchak says, bind me tighter. What does this show? This shows that Avram has fulfilled what God says in the parsha. Why do I love Avram? I love him because Avram is going to do what no other monotheist was able to do, and that is to transmit and to perpetuate to the next generation his belief and his Mesiras Nefesh, his incredible love for God, devotion for God, and willingness to give everything to God. And thus, that's what it means, suggests Rav Schwab, that Rashi says the first nine didn't have mamush because as challenging as the other nine tests were. And we're not saying that the other nine were easy. But now we're giving a different definition and we're saying what is mamush, what has substance, that which is being perpetuated. And so what a powerful lesson emerges from this Parsha. And I'd like to share with you that which we find in Tehillim 119. And Tehillim 119 is the longest chapter of Tehillim. It's the longest chapter in the whole Tanakh. And what do you find? Eight verses of each letter alphabetically arranged. And so when it comes to the Nun, the seventh verse of the Nuns is Nochalti Edvosecho Liolam. David HaMelech says, I have literally perpetuated your testimonies forever. How? Listen to the last half of the verse. Because they are the joy of my heart. In other words, David is giving the secret. You want to perpetuate to your children and grandchildren. Show them how much you enjoy Torah. Show them how much you enjoy mitzvot. Show much how much you enjoy the Shabbos. Make sure that your Shabbos table is such that your children are staying at the table and not quickly wandering off because they can't relate to that which is going on. Think and prepare for the Shabbos just the way you prepare special foods and you set the table and everything about it is so special. Prepare how you're going to entertain and keep the children interested in what is going on. And just a quick aside, to many communities, what I'm going to sing now does not apply. But this 
Motsoi Shabbos. This Saturday night is, forgive me, in the, well, in the world, Halloween. And therefore, just understand, you'll take a look at the 18th chapter of the book of Ayikra, Pasuk 3, for our children, for unfortunately, God forbid, for a Jewish child to get up in costume and to go trick-or-treating is a violation of that which the Torah says, you are not to follow their ways. Giving candy to them you have to use your good judgment. You have to, depending upon the neighborhood that you're living in, etc., and you want to have a friendly relationship with your neighbors as well, that's a different story. Because of Darke Shalom and because of Eva, you might very well be able to give their children some candy. It's an opportunity to explain to your children that not only is this not our holiday, but thank God our holidays are... Um, based upon beautiful traditions that focus upon God and His kindness to our people as opposed to some of the, quote, other aspects of their tradition. What a great opportunity this is to learn from Avraham this beautiful lesson of Mamush, of perpetuating our devotion to the next generation. Shabbat Shalom to all.